Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Into the Borough podcast here on the Borough Reviews Network. My name is Jared, and joining me as always is Linda. Hello, everyone. And we have got a lovely show for you today. We're going to be reviewing The Little Things, the latest from um, director John Lee Hancock. And we are also going to be reviewing episodes three. And Linda's going to talk briefly about episode four because I did not watch it. <laughs> um, but I did watch The Little Things. And then we're going to share some news with you from the past week. And now I know you're wondering, hmm, Monday, this seems weird. They're going back and forth between Friday and Monday. And, and that's okay that we're doing that because... Um, with these HBO Max Max releases finally like hitting the streaming service, and you know things starting to actually stick to their release schedule somewhat, um, there's still some minor shifts in the like in the calendar for theatrical releases. But um, with with HBO Max and Warner Brothers particularly, with those movies releasing both in theaters and on HBO Max on Fridays, I feel like in order to relevantly talk about these things, we kind of had to move our our um, podcast off of Fridays and onto Mondays, just so that we could catch you up over the weekend um, on anything that released. And so we're back to that format now. It might go back and forth between the two, but just know you will get an episode, whether it's Monday or Friday every week. So um, without further ado, um, we're going to get into some news and then we are going to get into the reviews that we have. Kind of a lot of news this week. Um, but before we get into that, how are you doing, Linda? Oh, you know, I'm doing I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing okay. I'm yeah, doing okay. Good. I'm a little tired. I um, stayed up last night after a birthday party to... Birthday party, by the way, we only had like six people here, so it's fine. Um, but, uh, we had a birthday party, um, and we, we had a a little too much to drink. Um, and I wanted to watch the little things because I hadn't yet watched the little things and it was, you know, Saturday night. And, uh, I decided to stay up until four to try and watch it. And then I watched like, oh, like 30, 40 minutes of it. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll wake up. And I'll just I'll just watch it in the morning, and so I'm running off of like four and a half hours of sleep right now, and uh, it's a, no one's fault but my own. So I recognize my character flaws, and I'm working to fix them. Um, and maybe that didn't play into how I feel about that movie. Um, like it didn't it didn't jive with how I feel about the movie, and I don't know if it's because of the situation or if it's because of the movie itself. But we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, how's your weekend been? Oh, I've just been working, um, last night. So at my restaurant, we have these shifts, uh, for people called walkie shifts where you're working in takeout and you stand outside and you call in when someone pulls up into our takeout spots. Um, Mm -hmm. I usually kind of opt to take those shifts because it's super easy. You're just standing outside. You get paid in tips. And I, I really enjoy doing it. But last night, if you live in Nebraska, you understand it was cold and windy. And I've been doing this since like October. And it's it was probably one of the worst nights I've had to stand out there. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, luckily I was prepared. 
as as we say in the Midwest, sometimes it's the wind that gets you, not the cold. And last night, oh my God, it really did get me. Um, but on the bright side, a car pulled up to me and told me that my job sucked and handed me a 20. So, you know, <laughs> silver linings. Right. I was just like, oh, you know, because I don't want to like straight up be like, yeah, my job sucks to other people because really I don't I don't hate it. But they're like, your job sucks. Where's your gloves? And I'm like, my gloves are inside. And they're like, well, here you go. Sorry, your job sucks. So I was like, thank you. <laughs> Like, how how does one respond to that except thank you, I guess? Hmm. Well, I mean, maybe people are just being extra nice, too, because of the snowstorm that we had. So um, here in Nebraska, we had on Monday, and I know it moved across the country, but it, it specifically was here um, in Nebraska on Monday, and we had a snow front come in. And here in Lincoln specifically, we got, what, like 14 inches? Was Was it 14? Uh, yeah, it was, it was like 14 to 16 inches. And it, it was the worst thing ever. I, I tried to, okay, so I kept my shovel cause I didn't pick up my shovel from a, from my garage. And so, and my garage is across town. And so I tried to, on Tuesday, go get my shovel and <laughs> the street that the garage is on it, um, is completely covered in snow and has not been like plowed or anything yet. And I didn't try and go in, but there was a car coming like, um, and it was a pretty narrow, like it wasn't a one way street by any means, but close enough, you know, it's a side street. And so I like kind of pull off to the side to let them around me. And I get stuck. Like we are stuck and it's, and it's, me and Lorencia and we're trying to like dig ourselves out and we haven't even gotten to the garage yet. So, you know, we trek our way to the garage um, on foot and then we, we get the, we get the shovel out and we're trying to like dig ourselves out. And luckily we had cardboard in the garage too. So uh, we used cardboard and eventually like a car came by a car of like, um, I don't know, they must've been like, they, they were college students for sure. They were probably like 20, 21 around that age. And it was a group of like five of them that got out of the car and like helped us like push it. And like, I was like, you know, that was really nice. We had a bunch of old people that just kept driving by us. And I'm like, Hmm, they don't care about us, but the young people, young people came in for this, for the save there. So, but no, Monday was fun. How did, how did Monday and Tuesday and the the following week go for you as far as traveling? Uh, we, we didn't do any, (laughs) uh, Monday we stayed at home. We didn't do a thing. Um, and then Tuesday I had to work that night because we were, we were doing a late open at work. So I woke up extra early because we have to park out on the street in Waverly and in Waverly, they do not plow through the streets. And if they did, you wouldn't be able to tell, uh, it's horrible. And so our car was like completely covered in snow completely. And we, we spent all that morning getting the car out and there's still just like a huge pile where our spot's supposed to be of snow. So now every day when we, when we pull the car up on the side of the road, there's just this like nice little dent of where our tires are and we just have to match it. Otherwise we get stuck. Oh no. <laughs> so I love that. It's like, hmm, if I take this path, will I get stuck? 
Yeah, we have to follow the trail like super carefully, otherwise we end up totally getting stuck in the snow, like right outside the house. Yeah. I don't know. We've gotten a lot of snow this year comparable to the last couple of years, but like it hasn't felt that bad. Even this storm, like it was bad, clearly, and I don't know if it's just because where I'm at, like they handled it pretty well as far as like plowing the streets and stuff. Um, if you know Lincoln, I'm like I'm like on I'm past 70th and I'm right off of Holdridge. So I'm like off of like 70th and Holdridge. And um, it's it's fine over here. But again, the neighborhood is a little bit more on the uh, wealthy side. And I think that kind of plays into it as well. Like the people over here, they all have like pretty good amount of money. And so I think that they prioritize their streets a little bit um, differently than um some of the other neighborhoods in Lincoln, which is unfortunate, but uh, yeah, we um, where the garage is. It's right next to her mom, and she lives over off of Forty Eighth and like Forty Eighth and like Adams and Saint Paul, and it's just all of the side streets over on that side of town, basically on the like the northwest side of town, are just like covered, and like some of them still are. Like I know people are still having trouble like getting out, and like going to going to work even it's it's such a simple task but it's taking them you know like 30 40 minutes at a time so i mean luckily the way i the way i take to go to work like by now it's it's pretty decent like i have a nice clear pathway to get to work i don't have to leave any earlier than i used to uh anymore so that i mean I, I can't really complain there. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I've i been hearing rumors that this Thursday we're actually going to get like an even worse snowstorm like on Thursday. What? Yeah. Hold on. You haven't been I, hearing that? I have not been hearing that. Oh, I've been hearing so many rumors like around uh, work, like all over Facebook. Like everyone's saying that uh, we're supposed to be expecting like an even bigger snowstorm around like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. No way. Hold on. Can't happen. I'm going to go look at the the 10-day forecast. Wait, so Wednesday's the 3rd. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could be wrong. That's just what everyone's been telling me. I'm just too lazy to look it up myself because that's who I am Uh, as a person. I have no intention of changing, though. So between, like, Wednesday night and Thursday, they're predicting, like, 1 to 2 inches is what I'm looking at right now. So I think there's... There are people trying to fear monger and uh, make you scared, Linda. I wasn't scared. I was just hoping to have, you know, like an extra day off or something, you know. An extra day off or something? <laughs> you know, I mean, when when you live somewhere where it snows, like, I mean, if you're anything like me, you're not really worried about the snow itself. You're just kind of like, am I going to be able to stay home? Yeah. Like, am I going to have like an extra day off? Am I going to have a vacay this week? So that that's kind of all I really look forward to. I'm I'm forever a snow day kind of person, just like, mm-hmm. hey, I get to just stay home and do nothing. Me too. <laughs> I'm totally a um a one day vacay person with snowstorms. Uh kinda sucks that I work from home um for my like main job because um obviously working from home nothing gets cancelled. So yeah. um I'm just kind of watching the snow and everyone else is like, oh yeah, snow day. And I'm like working and I'm like, hmm, like (laughs) that's fine. I guess I I have the benefit of like getting a cup of like cocoa or something from my kitchen and then coming back to work. And then, you know, I don't know, just 
kind of linger for a little bit I mean, without actually doing any work. So there are benefits to working at home, must say. I mean, you know, I can I can get a hot cocoa at my work too. I'm just not really sure if I'd have to pay for it or not. Yeah, see, but okay, but for everyone who doesn't work in the food industry, they can't get hot cocoa. Do you think the people at Adam and Eve? Do you think the people at at um at uh who I don't know, I was gonna uh, trying to think at Von Mar, they don't get cocoa. If they have a break room and some hot cocoa packets, who's stopping them? Well, I don't have a break room at my job, so. Well, at your other job, your entire apartment's your break room, Jared. Yeah, yeah, that's (laughs) fine. But for the average person who doesn't work from home. Well, for them, I am sorry that I am one of the lucky ones. I'm a lucky ducky, and I guess I should just count my blessings. Yeah, you're just showing your privilege on this podcast is all you're doing. (laughs) Shamelessly, I might add. (laughs) All right. I think we should get into the news. So we're going to come back. We're going to talk about some of the biggest news from this week, some of the most entertaining news that we've probably had. Um, It's going to be super fun. We're going to talk stocks. So we will be right back. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. And Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes of finishing your first recording. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. We use Buzzsprout and can test that it is a cakewalk compared to some of the other hosting platforms that we've used. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. And the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. So what are you waiting for? Grab your gear that you already have, and then find a quiet space to record and talk about all your favorite things. Following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout know that we sent you, gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and helps support our show. We can't wait to hear your passion. And now for your last week's news update. Athena Lay of Screen Rant writes, AMC may have just been saved from bankruptcy by Reddit's stock market moves. AMC theaters may stick around despite a devastating year of financial hardship, thanks to the recent changes in the stock market caused by savvy Redditors. As recent as this past week, AMC was on the brink of going out of business until a $1 billion fundraiser saved them. Things changed when GameStop saw a massive upswing of Reddit users, of Wall Street bets, saw an investment opportunity in the company's stock after hedge fund firms pooled money to bury GameStop. People on the message board bought numerous stocks, causing the share's value to drastically increase, leading to more money in these new shareholder pockets. AMC stock went up 300% on Wednesday the 20th due to the same buzz on Reddit. Per Matt Levine, a finance and opinion columnist for Bloomberg, these recent events may have saved the company. It is worth noting that the stock market is extremely vulnerable to sudden change, meaning this positive upswing could be temporary. In short, 
Many variables are affecting whether or not people can go to the movies, but for right now, people can take comfort in knowing that AMC just might be saved. Dade Hayes of Deadline writes, Movie theaters will rebound to box office record in 2023, analyst predicts, though vaccine stumbles hurt near term. Eric Wold, a veteran analyst with B. Riley Securities, acknowledged in a note to clients that exhibitors' efforts to emerge from the abyss of COVID-19 have been hampered by the slower-than-expected vaccine rollout. Nevertheless, he continues to believe that pent-up demand will drive a steady burst of moviegoing once theaters reopen. Benchmarking to 2019, when domestic receipts totaled $11.4 billion, he projects that the box office will drop 40% in 2021 and another 7% in 2022, before surging 7% to a new high in 2023. AMC, the largest theater chain in the world, remains the most troublesome of the group given its high debt load and liquidity issues, though the latter have been eased for the moment. Streaming remains a threat. But Wold sees the flexible release patterns negotiated with many studios as enabling both streaming and moviegoing to prosper. Boris Kitt of The Hollywood Reporter writes, Cloverfield's sequel in the works with Batman TV spin-off showrunner. Cloverfield, the J.J. Abrams-produced horror hit released in 2008 that launched filmmaker Matt Reeves on the passive genre auteur, is getting a sequel. Abrams' Bad Robot Banner and Paramount Pictures have tapped rising British scribe Joe Barton to pen the script for the project, which, unlike its predecessor, will not be on the found footage format, according to sources. Abrams will produce, along with Bad Robot head of film, Hannah Minkella. Reeves is not involved in the project. And that concludes your last week's news update. If you would like to support The Borough Reviews or the Into the Borough podcast, please consider subscribing to our Patreon campaign. Our Patreon offers four distinct memberships. Candyman, a $1 a month tier to show your general support for what we do. It follows a $2 a month tier that will grant you early access to our videos before they release on YouTube. Hereditary, a $5 a month tier with exclusive podcast discussions and member-only polls so you control what content we focus on each month. And finally, Trick or Treat, a $10 a month tier where you'll get exclusive videos, behind-the-scene content, and all of the other tier perks combined. During these times, it is crucial for us to remain stable, and with your help, we can get there. Head over to patreon.com slash Reviews to sign up. The Borough Reviews, your movie refuge. Now, welcome back from the break. We are going to talk some stonks, and we are going to uh, talk about kind of what's happened this past week with Reddit and with Discord and with Robinhood and all that AMC and GameStock-ish. So let me preface this by saying that before anything had even happened with um, anything on Reddit, I mean, obviously... Obviously, it was not an organized movement, but there, but there was a lot of organization, surprisingly, from Reddit on this front to kind of short investors. We're going to talk all of that in a second, but let me just say that before this had even happened, um, last Monday, so that would have been on the 25th, AMC 
had a $1 billion fundraiser that basically just breathed new life into their, um, into their financial viability as far as, you know, um, the pandemic goes. So they raised $1 billion that basically, um, staved off any potential shutdown of the theater chain, which is the largest theater chain in the world, might I add. And they, they got this influx of cash and they were like, even with no time to die, getting delayed and everything like that, they, their CEO basically was like, yeah, no, this, this fundraiser has, has saved us more than you might know. And, um, that was before everything with the stock market and with trading happened this week. And so they were already doing really, really good. Um, but people on (laughs) wall street bets, um, this Reddit page, uh, we saw like this kind of opportunity that was recognized widely over that Reddit page. And they took, they took the opportunity to kind of pool together and bet against some of the larger hedge funds and some of the larger, you know, bulls and Wall Street investors that had tried to short GameStop and AMC. Um, And let me just say, this was hilarious. Um, (laughs) I know that it causes a lot of issues and that, you know, I mean, we have to talk about these issues seriously. So I don't think that the stock market is a good measure for how the economy is doing. I just don't. And um, there's a lot of reasons for that. And I think this week has proved that um, when people say that the stock market is a good measure of how people are doing, I I think we can look to this week and be like, mm, are you sure about that? Because... Um, <laughs> We saw a an effort from a lot of companies, a lot of like you know financial institutions, a lot of investment companies, apps such as Robinhood and Cash App, restrict trading from retail investors, even though retail investors were buying into stocks that desperately needed the help. And yes, there is a possibility that this has consequences, you know, at a later date for those investors who did invest into GME, into AMC, um, when that, you know, kind of bubble that they created from buying all of these stocks at, because, you know, the share price of AMC, you know, just last week was at $4. And now we're at 13. And, you know, so we're inflating the share value of those stocks. And there's a possibility that, you know, it crashes and that people lose a lot of money. Um, but what this week also exposed is that the wealthiest people in this country will do anything and everything to try and stop normal people from making any sort of money off of off of um, shady practices. Uh, even though when they, let's say, borrow some shares and then sell them at their current value in, in hopes to you know, potentially gain more money. Um, so essentially those investors are betting against the companies that they are, you know, borrowing the shares from. And it creates this kind of weird effect where, yeah, they, they try and like, they basically try and take these, these stocks that, that are hurting, um, these companies that are hurting and they try and 
bring them down even more just to make a few extra billion dollars. And it was so funny watching their heads explode this week, I must say. Um, And we saw a wide group of people like support from a group of people that we normally wouldn't have seen like coalesce together, right? I mean, you had Republicans, you had Democrats, you had Elon Musk, you had all of these different people. Um, specifically when Robinhood started restricting uh, trading on GME, on Nokia, um, on AMC for regular retail investors, they were all like, oh, so yeah, when when you say free market, you're not actually talking about a free market where people can just trade freely because by restricting that, what you're doing is you're restricting those practices for the the little guy. But it's okay if the larger hedge funds, if the larger, you know, um, you know, millionaire, billionaire class get to do it all the time with no repercussions at all. Um and the fact that we did see such a wide group um coalesce in support of the regular like retail investor buying into you know those stocks the gme the nokia the amc um by having so so much support surrounding that it really kind of changes the game and that week this past week that we've had with the stock market in our culture in the united states it it is definitely one for the history book. So 2021 starting off spicy already. I don't know, Linda, what do you think about this? I've been talking about it for quite some time, but um, I, there's so much information to unpack there. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, no, you you pretty much said everything. Just when it happened, Lane told me about it and uh, I was just like, oh, you dramatic. You're just being so dramatic, honey. And he's like, no, I'm serious. Like the stock market just got fucked up. And I'm like, oh, please and then that the next morning like everyone's talking about i'm like damn it lane's right it it happened <laughs> like not not like a bad damage just like a, oh my god that really happened like yeah. and you're right it is it's it's kind of funny i mean i i'm, I'm so sorry i just it's just like oh my god this all happened because of red yeah and i yeah. just it's so hard to wrap your head around it. Like this is seriously just because of a bunch of people on Reddit, just kind of like let's let's do it, let's just let's just go for it. Yeah, and fuck then, it, let's go for it. Right? They just they were just kind of like let's just do it, see if we can do it, and then they just fucking did it. That is the power of social media. To be honest, if we're really having a conversation about this, this is this is years of wage stagnation this is years of you know the united states kind of culturally and and politically dismantling the the unionization of workers of people power and it all kind of came to fruition this week i mean people are like yeah i don't have too much money but you know what the money i do have i am going to even if i lose it i'm going to cost you hundreds of millions of dollars while i'm doing it and it's it's hilarious. But just to put it in perspective for you, so the past week, holders of six hundred millions, um, six hundred million of AMC convertible bonds um were converted into the stock price at thirteen fifty one per share. Um so before this had even happened, AMC was six hundred million dollars um plus in debt and basically and they're a lot more just to clarify they have a lot more debt than 600 million dollars um but just p- to put that in perspective you know they have 600 million dollars of debt that basically was just 
just completely vaporized by Reddit enthusiasm here because they wanted to, you know, try and pump up and inflate the stock price of AMC. And uh, that's $600 million of debt that AMC just basically was able to erase because of this. So um, I guess for... For movie for movie fans, for people like me who actually like AMC, like I go up to Omaha sometimes. A- Omaha has a few different theaters, although the one in Oakview just closed. Um, we talked about that a few weeks ago on the show. Mm-hmm. But um, I, you know, I w- I went to those AMC theaters. You know, I saw movies there. I liked AMC. They were, you know, they're the largest like um, you know exhibitor chain in the world right now, and. And the fact that they might come out of this just fine now because of all of this, because they got they got the fundraiser money, because they've got a lot of their debt erased just by their their share price going up and increasing because of this kind of you know boom that we've had for for retail trading in the stock market. I don't know. It um it makes me happy. It puts a smile on my face. Yeah. No. I mean. Yeah, no, it's absolutely incredible how the power that they had to just end up doing that for AMC theaters. It's it's amazing. And I mean, I, I honestly have no doubt over the power of social media when it comes to this kind of like, remember when we basically cyberbullied a production company to change the design of sonic when that movie came out it it really just reminds me of that i know it's like pretty incomparable this one involves a it's a much more complex situation this time around but i keep thinking back to that just like it's just incredible the kind of things people will band together for like not even knowing the outcome they just up and do it because i mean if nothing ends up happening then you know nothing ends up happening so it's just it seems almost, I don't want to say inconsequential, but that's kind of the mindset people really have when it comes to this kind of stuff. And I just, it's just an amazing, like how much it actually changed everything for AMC and how now they have like an actual fighting chance to stay open. Thanks to all that. It's just, it's incredible. It is. We need more movie theaters in the world, so I'm glad that this is happening. Um, we'll see how the opening bell goes on Monday for the <laughs> New York Stock Exchange, that nightmare that's coming. Um, but uh, until then, you know, um, we do need to have a conversation about, um, not on this podcast, but on a larger like cultural scale about the value of of the stock market and, you know, who the stock market is really for um, because typically it's not really for the everyday like retail investor, you know? Um, and so the fact that we have this tide that's kind of turning and people are understanding the stock market this week more than they ever have. And um, I don't know, it's the situation. It's, it's definitely um, going to be talked about until the end of the year. Like, Hey, remember when this thing happened, this crazy thing, um, and it's going to be one of 2021's biggest moments and we are just in January. So we'll see how the rest of the year goes for that. Um, the other piece of news that I know we wanted to talk about real quick was the decision that Paramount Pictures and Bad Robot, um, had for their sequel to Cloverfield. Now, 
Um, for those of you who have followed the Cloverfield franchise, it really, you know, the first one in 2008 started as a kind of this found footage, like monster feature. And then, and then they switched to that third person perspective for, you know, 10 Cloverfield lane and for Cloverfield paradox. And, um, they're kind of, they're, they they want to go back to what made the original so special but they're also not going to not going to go down the route of found footage and i think that's kind of an interesting move because like i don't know if you're trying to evoke some some of the feelings that people got with the original you would think that going found footage might be the easiest way to kind of bring it back down to what the original started as rather than trying to keep going with that third person storytelling. I don't know. What do you think? Do we need another Cloverfield sequel? And do you like the decision to not make it a found footage film? Uh, I think it'll be fine if they, if they don't make it found footage. I mean, they, they proved with 10 Cloverfield lane, uh, that they didn't really necessarily need the found footage to make it a good Cloverfield movie. Um, mm-hmm. The Cloverfield paradox, I'm not even going to go into that. I mean, it's <laughs> everyone, everyone knows it's, it's not news that that wasn't a good movie because it, it really wasn't. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I mean, with Cloverfield, Yes, part of its charm was that it was one of the earlier movies that kind of started the whole found footage craze uh, that ended up going more towards supernatural movies. But I honestly don't think they'll need it to kind of go back and make it like a true Cloverfield movie. Um, Not to mention the fact that, like I said before, 10 Cloverfield Lane pretty much proved that they didn't need it to be found footage for it to be a good movie. Mm -hmm. And also due to the fact that back when Cloverfield came out, they had a lot of issues with people getting sick from, you know, motion sickness, headaches from it being a found footage movie. Because with it being a monster movie and kind of a disaster movie, all that shaking and all that moving around, it it it's very easy to kind of lose attention on the movie just because you don't know what's going on because there's nothing on screen that you can even make sight of unless they do like the actual like, you know, close-ups of the monsters, things like that. But I know a lot of people that get like super sick when they're watching found footage movies that are so shaky, like Cloverfield yeah. was. So I, I honestly don't think it's a big deal that they're not doing it as a found footage movie. I think it'll be fine if it's not. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm pretty excited for it. I liked Cloverfield. I liked 10 Cloverfield lane. Uh, I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to this. I am too. Um, it's important to note that Matt Reeves, um, will not be turning for not be returning for the sequel, but J.J. Abrams will still produce. Um, and I don't, I don't know. Um, Cloverfield Paradox, yeah, that movie uh, kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. I didn't hate it, but I certainly didn't love it. And uh, I don't know. Like I have, I have yet to see Ten Cloverfield Lane, but I've seen bits and parts of it, and the dynamic between those actors, I think, is what elevates that movie. And kind of the new spin that it had, you know, going from like this really intense found footage monster movie to kind of this more laid back quiet film um, for large parts of large swaths of that movie are really just quiet and character focused. And so it's, you know, it's interesting that um, 
we're taking this turn again, but I'm excited to see where it goes. So, um, yeah, I think that concludes our news discussion for this week. There are a few more pieces of news, but um, really, I'm, I imagine we'll talk about one of them when we do the Godzilla vs. Kong trailer review later on uh, mm-hmm. after the break. But um, yeah, until then, um, come back after this short intermission and we will talk about King Kong and Godzilla. And we're going to wager bets on who's going to win that fight when we return. I wanted to tell you a little bit about our website, theborrowreviews.com. If you like indie movies, or blockbuster movies, and anything in between, really, on our site you'll find podcasts, movie reviews, opinion articles, and more content that covers all types of cinema. But we especially love a good horror movie here at The Burrow. If you're looking for a review of your latest project, we got you covered. Simply search theborrowreviews.com in your web browser and you'll find us. As a company residing in Nebraska, we know just how hard it can be to get your message out to the world, and we're here to help. Find our contact page on our website and fill out the form. You'll also find a list of submission guidelines on the page. And while not every submission will be accepted, mainly due to time restrictions, it is always worth a shot. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to the site now and check it out. The Borough Reviews, your movie refuge. Welcome back to the, to the show after a brief intermission there where I attempted to start recording and I started talking and um, I didn't actually record anything. So we had to redo it, but that's okay. Um, now it's not as uh, formal or um, engaging as it was before because I was I was ready to go. Like I had my my welcome back prompt all ready to go and I was I was I was going for it, Linda, and I you failed. Did great. And I you failed. did great. It, it was fine. You did you did fantastic it, I I was looking at uh the Godzilla versus Kong poster and all of a sudden I hear, Hello everybody, and we're back. And, oh, <laughs> oh, we're not recording. What are you doing over there? Yeah, I was uh, getting oh. the Godzilla vs. Kong IMDb page pulled up, and I guess I just... I too. Yeah, I guess I just didn't hit record. That's fine. You're um, just really excited, and that's fantastic. Way to bring that energy over here. Yeah. So, um, you remember my love for Godzilla the King of Monsters trailer. Um, I love that trailer. And... There's been a lot of talk this week from a lot of different film pundits about Godzilla vs. Kong and the first trailer that we got, and people are really, really excited for it. And I I guess I just didn't respond to it the way that other people did. Like, it's fine, right? Like, the trailer's yeah. fine. But I don't think, like, I hear people saying that it's like, one of the best trailers of the last two years and like yada, 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 and that it was like exhilarating and like, well, yeah, it's cool. It's, I mean, it's Godzilla versus Kong. Like, of course it's cool. Like I'm going to watch it regardless. But uh, I think Godzilla King of the Monsters had a much, much stronger trailer in my opinion. No, same with me. I, I don't know what it was about Godzilla King of the Mo- that trailer. I don't know what it was that was so engaging and that was so eye-catching that this uh, this this trailer, I agree with you. This trailer kind of kind of missed something along the way there. I don't know if it's just because we haven't actually watched the movie itself. So but we didn't 
really i don't know i don't know <laughs> well that's not how trailers work though you know like yeah, i mean but... you're supposed to get people like excited for the movie and it it didn't like lessen my excitement for it but certainly like it didn't hype me up like godzilla king the monsters did and um or even Cole or Cole Skong Island is what I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> oh. Um Kong Skull Island's trailer was also relatively pretty good and this one just it it felt like it was kind of subpar compared to those. It wasn't a bad trailer, but it just I don't know, didn't really get me excited for it. But I mean maybe they're they're saving they're saving that special stuff for the actual movie. Maybe. I mean, I hear a lot of rumors flying around, a lot of things that were caught in the trailer that lead me to believe that it's kind of going to be a little disappointing, but uh, we'll see when it gets here. Um, And then while we got the trailer, um, we also got news that um, King Kong was getting like an animated series on Netflix uh, titled Skull Island. Um, Legendary Pictures is teaming up with Netflix to produce this. And um, it follows a shipwreck crew, an island of monsters, and one king to rule them all. So it's um, it's set entirely on the island, I imagine, before Godzilla vs. Kong, possibly before um, Kong Skull Island. And so it's going to be really interesting to see an animated series. I know the Jurassic Park-like animated series, you know, Camp Cretaceous or whatever it's called. I hear really good things about it. I I haven't watched it myself, but apparently the viewership is going really well. So they figured they might as well capitalize on kind of that monster like animated feature. Um, and they just decided that they wanted to do a series. So I don't know if you're a big like Kong and, and Godzilla person, but I mean, since Netflix is producing it, or, or do you find yourself like interested enough to watch it? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. There's something about the show being animated that I don't, I don't really know if I'm going to want to watch it if it's animated. Now, don't get me wrong. I have, n- there's no, nothing wrong with animated features. Like I, I like my fair share of animated TV shows, animated movies. Uh, but keep in mind, Jurassic Park was animated, but it was geared towards like kids, family, so I get the feeling that this will be the same way. It's going to be geared towards more like family, uh, kid type of demographic. But there's just something about uh, the live action movies of King Kong. I I don't know. I just I feel I already feel like I'm going to prefer it to be live action rather than animated. And maybe my opinion will change if I get around to watching the animated series. But yeah, I don't know. I just. I feel like Godzilla, King Kong, all that. I feel like it's better watched live action. Yeah. um, I think Godzilla might work a little better for an animated series, to be honest with you. Um, Just based on the the lore of Godzilla. Um, But, you know, again, like I applaud, I guess, the the creative inclinations that people have to do different things. So we'll, we'll see if it works out for him. Godzilla versus Kong. The movie releases on March 31st and it's directed by Adam Wingard. So check that out. It'll be streaming on HBO max and in the theaters. So we'll most likely do a review for it. Cause I don't know what else is coming out on the 31st. I would have to look, but uh, 
we'll definitely cover it. That's probably going to be the last time that we talk about it until the movie's actually here. Um, I don't think we'll need to cover like a second trailer or anything if they release one. So um, I guess just look out for our review on March 31st of this year um, when it will be releasing on HBO Max. One last question though on Godzilla versus Kong. Um, and, and I don't want you to justify your answer. I don't want any explanation. Oh, who's going to win? Uh, Kong. Oh, I say Godzilla. Okay. I, give me the explanation. I want your explanation. Look, I, we all know that Kong's a brawler. He likes to use them fists, but, um, (laughs) Godzilla just historically is a much cooler as a much cooler monster, in so? my opinion. What? Uh, nothing. Continue. And maybe, and maybe my love of Godzilla. Like I liked. Okay, I didn't have a problem with the 2014 Godzilla or whatever that that reboot came, but um, I really liked King of the Monsters. Like I haven't even watched the full movie yet, but the trailer is really good. Like, <laughs> and I think that that trailer probably makes me root for Godzilla more than anything. Um, It's probably the fact that I didn't like um, Kong Skull Island very much, to be honest with you, Linda. Uh, I just, I didn't like that movie. Um, And keep in mind, this is coming from someone who, as a kid, loved the Peter Jackson King Kong. I loved the game that they made. I played it on my Xbox all the time. Um, I, I think I had a 360 at that point. I'm not sure when that game came out, but that, that experience of being on Skull Island is so like not integral to my childhood, but I used to have, you know, my little GI Joes and I would act out like the, uh, the log scene like all the time. And like, I don't know, it was just, I, I personally grew up with King Kong, not with Godzilla, but the more and more I like watch like, you know, the old movies or <clears throat> I think about like the actual like lore that Godzilla has, just a much cooler monster. But that's just me. Okay. So there you have it. Um, one says Kong, one says Godzilla. We'll see who wins on the 31st. So you'll have to tune into that review. Um now, while we're talking about the trailer review, I also wanted to touch on um, what what we thought of the past couple episodes of WandaVision, just because I know we said we were going to start, like, um, you know, re- recapping the episodes a little bit. So I didn't watch this past episode this weekend, so episode four, that would be We Interrupt This Program, but I did watch the third episode, which was titled Now in Color, and um, I really liked the third episode. I think I liked the... Uh, the second episode better than the third episode. How did you feel about the third episode and then also the fourth episode? Because I hear, I and I've heard this every week, Linda, it's kind of annoying, but every week with WandaVision, and it was the same with The Mandalorian, it was like, oh my God, this week's episode is so much better. It's getting better. All the time it's getting better. It's improving. And like, I don't know, like they said that about the third episode and I was like, mm, yeah, it's okay. Um, I didn't really have like a, super like positive reaction to the third episode, but it was good. I just don't get the hype surrounding it. And then people were like absolutely losing their mind over episode four. So uh, why don't you tell me what makes episode four better in your opinion? 
Uh, episode four. Mm, it was good. It was. I'm not really sure if I like how they went about everything. I'm I'm still kind of jumping back. Keep in mind, I literally just watched the fourth episode right before we started recording. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I even made us late to record because I wanted to finish it. It answers. It gives us a new perspective on everything that's going on. And I think that's what everyone's liking so much about it. That's kind of what I'm actually on the fence about uh, because it does answer a lot of questions that people have been having since the start of the show um, without really explaining like what's going on overall. But at the same time, I'm not really sure if I'm a huge fan of having an episode that just kind of lays it out for you. I kind of wish they had done it a bit more gradually instead of dedicating a whole episode to it. If that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I get why a lot of people like it because now everyone can kind of sleep soundly at night, knowing why things are happening the way they are, why uh, this happened and that happened. I'm trying so hard not to spoil it for anyone, especially Jared, <laughs> but it is a good episode. Nonetheless, I actually liked it better than the third episode. I'm just, you know, kind of personal preference is putting me on the edge a little bit. Uh, okay. But I did like the third episode just because I really liked that tension there in the end. Because that, yeah, no, that was, was fabulous. It yeah. was insane. And I really liked it. And I think that's what ticked this episode for me was just that end when it was just super tense and you're just like, what's going to happen? And yeah, no, I, I'm getting more and more dedicated to this show. And it's honestly kind of driving me nuts. I haven't felt this dedicated in a show since Stranger Things and that kind of broke me. So I'm yeah. just trying to be careful. Because <laughs> <laughs> honestly, after I watched that fourth season of Stranger Things, I was I fell apart. And so I'm just I'm trying to whew, calm myself down with this show a little bit. Yeah. No, um yeah, the ending of Now in Color, the third episode, that was it was really good. It was really tense, I agree. Um, I hope that they're not taking away the mystery of it all. Like it sounds like they're starting to reveal more. So last thing I'll ask you about it, I guess, are they leaving enough room there to like keep it interesting and keep the mystery somewhat going? Yes. They answered a lot of questions. I believe for possibly like continuity purposes, just kind of to give us a bit, you know, just to kind of answer these questions to allow more questions to kind of come in. But yeah. the overall question of why is this happening? How is it happening? Like what's going on has not yet been revealed, which I am super thankful for. I believe that is better saved for the end, not this early in a TV show. So uh, kudos to the creators for not, uh, giving that up so soon, but they did give us a lot of answers that I feel like we we could have waited on a little bit. But honestly, it, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> Just like I said, personal preference. I feel like some of the questions could have waited until later. Yeah. Well, that's a shame because um, we still have what another five episodes to go or something. So yeah. I think it's nine nine episodes this season. Um, well, this I guess it's a limited series. I don't even think they're going to do a season two. I don't know. But um, 
Yeah, that concludes your WandaVision talk for this week. We'll be back next week, and we're just going to talk solely about episode five, and I will have watched it this time. So I will be able to actually talk thoroughly about it and not just rely on Linda Linda's expertise. Um, but we are going to take one more quick break, and then we are going to, I guess not one more quick break. We're going to take another quick break. I think there's one more quick break scheduled, um, but we're going to take our second to last quick break, and then we're going to return and talk about the little things. So stay tuned. I'm sure you know by now, but we have our own YouTube channel. There, we upload video reviews of the latest television shows or movies and stream gaming content weekly. We have a goal to reach 100 subscribers by the end of the year. Right now, we are about 12 subscribers away from reaching that goal. And it would mean everything to the team here to be able to accomplish this goal. Simply search the Burr Reviews in YouTube search bar to find us. Make sure to not only subscribe if you like the content, but to give the video a thumbs up and ring the bell to make sure you receive notifications of when we upload or go live. The Burr Reviews, your movie refuge. Welcome back from the break, everyone. We are going to talk about the new cop drama from John Lee Hancock called The Little Things that just debuted on HBO Max over the weekend. And um, it stars Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, and Jared Leto. And the synopsis is two cops track down a serial killer. You're not exactly a department favorite. Things probably changed a lot since you left. You still got to catch him, right? Yeah. Not that much has changed, then, right? <laughs> I can assure you all we are taking a 24-7 all-hands-on-deck approach to these cases. Guy's a shark. If he stops, he dies. He likes to drive. Probably has a decent car, maybe two. High mileage. He must really like my car. I do. How's the truck space? How's that for a synopsis? Um, <laughs> uh... Linda, me and you both watched this movie this morning because we procrastinated until the very last second. I tried watching it last night and I couldn't. Um, sure did. Right off the bat, let's let's just talk about some of the p- more positive things. Um, and then we can kind of dip into maybe what didn't work so well and then give our final ratings. Um, I, I guess the performances are fine. Yeah, I mean... I'll, I'll give it that. I, typically with like shows or not shows, I come on, switch off Wonder Vision. On well, a- I mean, it kind of, <laughs> it kind of plays like a procedural, right? Like you, yeah. if you were watching like an episode of like Criminal Minds or, you know, like it does have that kind of feel to it. Yeah. I mean, sometimes when they're trying to be like super serious for things related to like cops, detectives, crimes, the the dialogue can get super tacky. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it, it really didn't. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. And the performances were, were pretty good. I'm just, I'm not really sure about Denzel Washington's performance or maybe it's the character. I'm not really sure. Uh, That's the only one I find a little questionable for me. Really? Because I think all three of them <laughs> um, <laughs> were bordering on the edge. I mean, they're fine. They're not bad, but it's, yeah, like you said, I don't know if it's the dialogue or what, but this feels like they tried to do like 
true detective like in movie form because you're getting all these like high-end actors and you're putting them in one you know cop movie about you know a serial killer and like it definitely and it's the time period the jumping back and forth um it's very true detective like and so i thought that maybe we would get those vibes a little bit more but even that it's not really that gritty um like it's not gritty hardly at all like true detective like you watch true detective season one and that's like that's like balls to the wall like that's like you like it's so intense and it's so dramatic um but in the best way possible and this is just kind of flat and like it doesn't really m- move it has no momentum um i guess we're diving into negative <laughs> negativity <laughs> um it's fine it's fine uh but um it has no momentum the pacing feels off it feels about 20 minutes too long maybe even 30 minutes too long and um it, it it felt pointless. Like it built up to what was supposed to be a really like pivotal climactic moment. And maybe it would have been if I had cared about the characters a little bit more, you know, maybe then it would have, it would have worked better and it would have um, kind of had me guessing a little bit more, but honestly, I didn't even really care who was doing the murders at this point because I was just trying to slog my way through watching it. Um, I don't know if you had the same experience with the pacing of it, but uh, there are just no points in this movie that really stand out. Like, usually you can gauge, like, one or two moments in a movie that are, like, at least interesting um, that you kind of remember. But this is so milk toast. It's completely forgettable. And, um, yeah, that's that's my, my uh, brief review of the little things. I can talk more, but I just want to get your opinion, too, on what you found to be problematic. Uh, so I guess I do have one small highlight in the movie for me, and that was actually the beginning. (laughs) The beginning really reminded me of, in a way, the Silence of the Lambs, that scene where the girl's, like, driving in her car and singing along the radio. And I think that's what they were trying to to mirror, in a way. Um, But that movie, it... It had that kind of a start and it was, it was kind of intense. It it kept my attention, but then they just lose it. And like I was telling you earlier, it felt like it got to a point where it just felt like the the filmmakers were just making stuff up as they went along. Yeah. And it was, it just got weird. Like it felt like this movie was going nowhere and it didn't go anywhere. It really didn't. There was no satisfying ending. It felt like it wasn't really much of an ending. Like I kept thinking that like something else has got to come up that would make all this actually make sense. And the next thing I knew the credits were rolling. I was like, are you, are you serious? And Hmm. yeah, no, I wasn't really, I wasn't really a fan. It was just, it felt super cluttered and it didn't really make much sense of what they were trying to accomplish. And the whole movie just felt really pointless to itself. Like it didn't give you any answers to anything they were like kind of going for. And besides that beginning that caught my attention, it just really went downhill from there. And I even struggled with watching it. Yeah. The only thing that bothered me about the beginning of the movie, um, was the fact that she didn't stay in her car. That really made me angry, actually. Um, like, I, like, I was watching them. I'm not, I'm not spoiling anything here, but um, the way that the movie starts, you know, it's kind of this um, really tense moment where 
they're kind of riffing off of the Night Stalker that was, you know, in LA in the um, 80s and 90s, you know, that kind of fear of like someone's just randomly killing people, killing women. And um, it kind of is this really tense like moment where, you know, this car is following this character and she, you know, she notices it and she gets really uncomfortable after, you know, singing freely and just having a good time. And, and um, I guess one thing that I do want to point out though, is that's truly a real fear. Like I, I asked Lorenzi about that, you know, I was like, did, have, have you ever experienced that before with a car, like coming close to you and then, you know, coming up to you and, just being weird and then you 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 get that really like sickening feeling and and she was like yeah yeah like i mean that happens to me all the time so i think you know obviously that the movie is kind of gearing itself to be relatable in the sense that this is something that women have to experience and have to deal with even if nothing happens and if nothing bad was going to happen um the fact that you have those thoughts in your head and that like instilled fear is something that's really real and um oh yeah i mean that that part where that car like sped up behind her and then just kind of stayed there mm-hmm. it was just riding her ass remember what happened yeah like, a couple, I do. yeah yep. like that I straight do. up triggered that and I, all of a sudden i just got this like chill down my spine I'm like oh god what oh god and then yeah, like, i thought about that i was yeah. like maybe i shouldn't have had her watch <laughs> <laughs> like that one moment was I'm not gonna lie, that was honestly like a little triggering because it immediately just sent me back to that. For those of you who don't know, a few years ago, I got followed home from work and they ended up following me around the area of Lincoln that I lived in and they wouldn't leave me alone. And it was honestly a good hour and a half to two hours of them following me and me trying to lose them before, you know, anything got better. It was like, honestly, hands down the scariest night of my life. Um, when I realized that they were following me, I tried to speed off and, you know, I went into oncoming traffic because I went through a, a parking lot in Lincoln that was like completely closed. It was after work. It was dark. It was like 930, 10 o'clock at night. And I tried to lose them by turning right into oncoming traffic. And they almost hit a car trying to stay on me. And they sped up and stuck right behind me almost hitting another car so yeah that part like instantly I just thought of that and I just like I kind of looked away for a minute you know gathered myself and then like after that I was just kind of like it's it's fine but yeah no that that part that part really got to me a little bit <laughs> yeah it's a very real thing and yeah. um I'm I'm glad that they like they went like a reasonable route with that too just where that 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 ended up where that character ended up. I was like kind of glad that they did what they did. Um, but uh, no, I just that other than that one hiccup of her getting out of the car, I, I didn't understand why she was doing that. Um, and it kind of frustrated me a little bit, but uh, after that, like, yeah, the, the opening, it's really good. And, and, you know, when Denzel Washington's character comes into the police station, you know, he basically gets sent on. Um, so he he's not um, in L.A. currently with uh, he's a deputy, but he's not from L.A. However, he used to be an L.A. detective and he gets sent back to L.A. to go pick up some evidence. And he kind of gets thrown into the loop of some very familiar patterns with a serial killer that's currently active. And it kind of sends him down this like spiraling loop of I have to find the guy. I have to find my guy like 
this is my life. Like I'm doing this for me. And I don't know when he initially gets back to LA and he, and he walks into the office, you know, and everyone's recognizing him and um, everyone has this kind of like, mm, that guy's back, you know, like, right. and he, he seems very out of place there. And I liked where they were going with it, but unfortunately like how that storyline ended, it didn't, resonate the way that I thought it was going to and it was kind of like lame why like the reasoning behind why everyone was like treating him differently like I don't know did you feel that way with that how that got resolved yeah I mean I that's kind of how I felt about everything like mm-hmm. when started like kind of coming together a little bit and they try to explain it all of them like went out with a whimper rather than a bang. Like, Oh, that that's why I was just kind of like, Oh really? That that's why. (laughs) And I don't know. I just, I, I wasn't, I didn't like how they pieced everything together. The things that they did piece together. Yeah. It could have been a lot more impactful. And I feel like they were, really trying not to cross certain lines that they definitely could have gone for. This could have been a lot, like you said, like a lot edgier, a lot more gritty. And they, they just really didn't, they kept it on the safe side when they really shouldn't have for a movie like this. Mm -hmm. It it could have been a lot more than it was. Yeah. I think that's, that's the most disappointing thing is the potential with this cast with, the story that they were kind of going for. And for those of you who don't know, The Little Things has been a script that um, was actually written, um, I believe, a couple, like a few years ago. I think the original script was either from the 90s or from like the early 2000s. And so this script that John Lee Hancock had wrote has been around for quite some time. And it's not necessarily that it feels dated, but you would think you have Denzel Washington in this weird, like, um, this, like, kind of, like, offbeat, like, like, Seven-esque or, like, Silence of the Lambs-esque, like, thriller, like, crime drama. You would think that that would be a, a match made in heaven, right? Because this is Denzel's whole shtick. But really, like, nothing goes anywhere. It's all a little underwhelming. And um, the potential was there. And it just wasn't executed properly. And um, I don't know. So why don't we why don't we do final ratings? Um, what are you at? Uh, five out of ten. Yeah, um, that's totally fair. I'm at a four. I talked I talked myself down from a five to a four before we started recording. <laughs> um, just because like it it's not even average. Like it's not even averagely good i i don't think it is at all and so there are just too many pieces out there the climax didn't work the dialogue was weak um the performances were all pretty stiff um i didn't really care about any of the characters other than the girl at the beginning and um it just felt like wasted potential and for that i can't give it an average score uh, yeah, it was basically like a movie about detectives that weren't very good at their jobs, and yeah. and they were like mad about it. They're like, "Fuck, I can't, I can't solve my case. I'm gonna drink." They're like, 
detectives who are bad at what they're doing yet won't let anyone else yeah do it better like, like oh no the fbi is gonna come in oh no like they're gonna take my case away from me that i can't solve and they're just very delusional people they firmly believe that some of these things that are like going on like they think they can solve it they think they have the right guy and quite frankly we don't even know <laughs> and it's like oh my God, why are you having us look at this from the point of view of someone whose opinions are all wrong? Like, it's so frustrating and it's not satisfying. And yeah, you can do that in such a cool way. Like, basically, the whole first season of True Detective is that way, right? Like, flawed characters, you don't really like, you don't really align yourself with them, but you still root for them. These characters, I was like, what? I don't even like. I don't even really care how this gets resolved. You know, I don't, I don't really care what happens to them because you can have a story. In fact, that's so frustrating now that you brought that up because like there, I love movies like that, that put you in, you know, the shoes of someone that you don't agree with, like, and who's just like completely off the deep end and like not doing anything rationally. And they had an opportunity to do that and make it interesting with the actors that they had. And again, just just the opportunity it was completely missed so that's unfortunate but uh i don't know did you want to add anything else on the review of the little things or um do you think we have it summed up pretty well mm, no i'm fine i'm fine it's fine i'm fine you <laughs> you had to wake up early for that um <laughs> I woke up at 9 a.m. to watch this movie. I am not a morning person. 9 a.m. is the morning. And I I woke up to watch this. I could have been in bed. You could have. Uh, I could have been in bed, too, because I also woke up to watch it. I stayed up until 5, in fact, for like 40-something to try and watch it. And then I was like, nah, I can't do this right now. And, and then I, I woke up at 10 to, to finish it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, you know... It's on HBO Max. If you have HBO Max, like this is kind of where I really like streaming. Um, I can recommend this to you because you're not really spending any money on it. If you have, you know, a streaming service, obviously you're spending money in hopes that the quality of the of the content produced by the company is good. But at the same time, I think there's enough on HBO to warrant an HBO Max subscription. And so if you already have one, like really like you can check it out i i guess and you know make your opinion for yourself but as far as going to see this in a movie theater don't just don't even bother it's going to be so much wasted time um because again yeah two two hours uh is way too long for this movie it felt like they had not enough material to to justify that runtime and they kind of just stretched it out so unfortunate but uh like i said streaming on hbo max if you want to check it out um we're going to take one more break and then we're going to come back and tell you what's streaming all right welcome back from the break everyone we are going to talk a little bit about what is streaming um so unlike when we released our episodes on friday and we could tell you you know kind of an overview of what to expect for the weekend here we're just telling you what released over the weekend that you can either watch this week or next weekend um, if you haven't watched it already. So first on the list, we had The Dig, which is a Netflix project. It is set in 1939. Um, and it, it, it basically follows Britain on the brink of war um, through, the, through the perspective of a wealthy woman, Carrie Mulligan, 
who brings on the help of an amateur archaeologist, which is played by Ralph Fiennes, to excavate the grounds of her estate and happen upon a historic discovery. Um, so that's on Netflix that you can watch. Anything with Ralph Fiennes and Carrie Mulligan, though, count me in. It sounds interesting. I probably won't watch it, but uh, I could I could get behind a period piece with, with those two actors. Um, we also have The Night, which is a psychological horror film that consequence of sound calls, quote, a terrifying twist on The Shining. Um, a couple check into an L.A. hotel. Um, apparently, it's a real-life hotel, uh, Normandy, in Koreatown. Um, and the dark secrets come out at night. The film mostly in Farsai is primarily starring and made by Iranians and Iranian-Americans. It is the first U.S. production to secure a theatrical release license in Iran since 1979. Ooh. So that's a pretty big deal. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think... I think it's really cool that we're getting like an Iranian horror film. Um, yeah. Did you, I mean, yeah, you were a couple of, a couple of years ago when you came to, um, you know, the Halloween party, you happened upon a girl walks home alone at night, right? You were there for that. Yeah. Yeah. Great movie. Um, so if it's anything like that, where we're getting like more representation, you know, a different cultural perspective over the guise of horror. Um, I think it's always cool. You know, we had that earlier this year or I guess last year. Um, with some of the the Hulu movies that were coming out, or mm-hmm. not the Hulu movies, the Amazon Prime ones, right? Um, right. What was that called? That that like series that they did? I don't remember. Um, it was like a bunch of different Blumhouse movies that they paired up with with Amazon Prime to like put. Oh, out. like into the Blumhouse or something like that. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever that project was, it basically reminds me of kind of what they did with that, right? The yeah. Night. Um, so if you like that, you can watch that um, on IFC Midnight, Voodoo, or Apple TV. And then what also released is Blown Away Season 2. It's the first uh, season of one of the most improbable reality show concepts ever attempted, a competition show about glass blowing. Um, that became a surprise hit in 2019. Now the quirky Canadian series is back with an entirely new crew of artists, really making one wonder how many high-level glass blowers will be left if they make a season three. Um, if you're into, you know, shows like this, competitive shows, and you want something different from, like, baking or, like, you know, like, anything physical, like, kind of like a, a Wipeout or, like, an American Ninja Warrior, I think, especially, like, if you're into how things are created and made, um, that would probably be a really cool show to watch. I didn't ever watch season one on Netflix, but, um, I don't know. Would you check something out like that? I mean, yeah, I, it, it's kind of interesting how they're making it like a reality show. I think yeah. that's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, I, we need more things like that. Like you get those with the, like the dating shows, right? Like that they make you do all these like different, like, um, all these different like obstacle courses and everything for you to like, you know, find your true love or whatever. But I want to see that integrated into, to like baking shows, like a reality, like, you know, we have the, the baking competition portion of the show. And then we, we get to hear, you know, all the bickering and fighting, you know, in the house afterwards, after the competition, you know, where's that show at? (laughs) Um, I don't know. 
No, I would love it when people put like a competitive twist on things. I I'm a very competitive person. That's why uh, when it comes to like cooking shows, I prefer stuff like Cutthroat Kitchen, where they have like oh, wow. those obstacles to try to to try to go around. Uh, no, I I think it's always like a fun twist to do on simple things like cooking, baking, or glass blowing, if you will. Glass blowing. Yeah, they should integrate that more. Pottery. Um, <laughs> Competitive. You can, oh my god, Seth Rogen would blow us all away. Really? You didn't know that? I didn't, no. Oh, Seth Rogen is like insane about pottery. He always makes these like bases and he's self-taught. Oh, and he wow. always he posts about it on Twitter all the time. And they're always oh. so beautiful. Oh, that's probably why, because I don't follow him on any social media. Although this past week, I've seen a lot more from him because uh, he's been like basically troll tweeting Ted Cruz all week. uh, And I've just loved every second of it. I've lapped it up. Um, I might have to follow him for that. I don't know. I love when like I find something new, like about an artist that I really like. And it's like, oh, you do that. That's weird. But that makes me like you even more Um, because I wish I had that talent of of glass blowing or pottery or or anything really um but i do not have an artistic bone in my body when it comes to creation as far as you know physical things like painting or like drawing or anything i'm just bad at it all luckily you have you have a pretty good talent Uh, well no stop stop it we all know it's true linda (laughs) i i like doodling and i'm sure i can make like a good bowl if, mm-hmm. if I really wanted to, but mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I like I like doodling, and I've made a few doodles that I've shown to Jared. Like if I if if I get my lazy butt up and actually like work on some some sketches for the borough, it'd probably look something like this. Yeah, I don't. You're see the thing that you might not know about Linda is that she's really good at writing, and she's also really good at like drawing and like doing a bunch of different creative things that I am not good at. Um, I mean, I'm good at writing, but I'm, I'm not, I don't have, I don't have that artistic, uh, creativity in me at all. So you have it all. You can, you can do anything, Linda, you can review movies, you can write about movies, you can draw. I can only do two of those things. Oh, stop. You just, he's making me blush like a damn idiot over here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I think that concludes the show for today. Um, do we have anything coming out next week, Linda? I know Saint Maud just released. Um, uh, and I did want to check out Saint Maud, but I don't know where it released on. I think Prime Video and a few of the other like video on demand services. But you know, we would have to rent that for like nine dollars um, or ten dollars or something. I think. Oh, ten dollars. Well, yeah, where did that release? Hold on, Saint Maud. Um, yeah, St. Maud, January 29th. When are we, when are we going to watch St. Maud? We were supposed to like review this like last year. Do you remember that? Uh, St. Maud. Yeah, I, I do. Oh, it'll be streaming on Epic, on Epics on February 12th, but it's out in theaters right now. Hmm. Well, mm-hmm. looks like we're not reviewing that. <laughs> oh, well. Nice try, though. I hear really good things about it. Um, there are a couple of critics that I follow that really, really like St. Maud. So, do you hear that popping in the background? Yeah, what is that? That is her popping balloons. I didn't think that you would be able to hear it, but it is bright. Um, Lorencia or Lily? 
Lorencia. <laughs> the image of Lily just popping a bunch of balloons like that. You're done. You're done. Jeez. I can see her doing that. That's why I asked. Ah. Yeah, I don't think there's anything coming out next week. And yeah, let's see here. Let me look at the release calendar before we let you go, just so I can tell you if we're if we might. Oh, we have Malcolm and Marie. Did did we want to review that? Oh yeah, yeah. Let's let's do that since we've talked about it and it looked interesting and it has John David Washington and Zendaya in it and there's been a lot of conversation around it and director Sam Levinson. So let's um let's review Malcolm and Marie next week. Ha ha ha! I forgot about that. And then um the next week, you know, we have to all the boys I've loved before, whatever that title is, I can never get it right. Um, I think it's Forever and Always or something like that is the subtitle. But uh, we have the the third and final installment of that series coming to an end also on Netflix. We're not going to review it, definitely not. But it's coming out, and we could. So um, <laughs> stay tuned for that. And um, I guess we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. <laughs>